Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. We are just a few weeks away from NAHU's 32nd Annual Capital Conference, where health insurance professionals from across the country will be able to meet with their legislators both in person and virtually to advocate on behalf of our industry. Recently, NAHU's government affairs staff learned of a new potential threat to the employer exclusion, a tax benefit that serves a crucial role in employer-sponsored health insurance. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, NAHU's Vice President of Congressional Affairs, John Green and Chris Hartman, join me to discuss employer exclusion, along with a general overview of legislative developments ahead of our Capitol Conference. So welcome back to the podcast, guys. It's been a while since we discussed the employer exclusion on this podcast. So do you mind starting out by giving folks a refresher on how this tax exclusion works and why NAHU supports it? Sure. So the base of the employer-based healthcare system in this country is with employers. And the reason that came about is at World War II, there were salary controls put on how much employers could spend on salaries. And so they were looking for other ways of attracting employees. One of those things to attract employers uh, was offering health insurance. And they were able to do this by allowing people to purchase that health insurance from the employer and the employee side, but pre-tax dollars. So that idea of being able to use your salary, but before the federal income tax hits it. So the employer exclusion is basically that idea of being able to allow your income, your salary, your employer, or your own personal benefits, your own salary to be able to go in and purchase health insurance, but on dollars that were not taxed. And so this becomes a very large pool of money. And it really is the basis of the employer-based healthcare system. There's no reason without this tax benefit that I really think the employer-based healthcare system would exist today. And if it went away, employers would stop offering health insurance to their employees. They would probably use the individual market or other sorts of ways to find health insurance. But it really is the tax preference here that encourages people to offer and take up employer-based health insurance. Considering the importance of it, why would lawmakers seek to eliminate or cap this? Lawmakers are often looking for sources of money for other priorities, including other health care priorities. And so because both your deduction for your mortgage and your taxes and this employer exclusion are the two largest tax preferences out there, it becomes a very large pool of money that could be put to other priorities. In healthcare, looking at how much we reimburse providers or hospitals, Democrats, particularly on the left, look at it as a possible tool for paying for single payer. And as John will go on, Republicans' priorities are often looked at for resources, and the employer exclusion becomes one of those tools. So on the Republican side, for them, they're always looking for ways of how they can bend the cost curve. And as you may know, Leader McCarthy has put together a number of task forces to look at various buckets that if they 
are able to take over the House of Representatives after the next uh, midterm cycle, that they want to be able to come out of the gate ready to go. And healthcare, of course, is one of those task forces. And what we've learned is that CBO has done a presentation on ways that the task force can bend the cost curve. And of course, the employer exclusion is on there. Another idea is dealing with provider reimbursements. So you know the providers are going to go in and say, oh, no, you can't chop me. We, we can't have that happen. They're going to protect their interests. And of course, the employer exclusion has, by tradition, NEHU, been a fall on the sword issue for us. Because once you talk about capping it, that's, see, this is the Republican way of saying, well, we're really not taking it away, but we're going to set some upper bounds on it. You can't take the toothpaste and put it back in the tube. And what happens is, if anyone who follows legislative history, is that once you've done something like that, they'll be back and they'll say, well, we have this really worthy health care policy. And um, why don't we just move the cap a little more this way until eventually you've done real damage to employer-sponsored coverage in this country. So it is something that we want to make sure never happens. And the fact that they're even talking about this is very great concern. You have to remember that not all members of Congress are well-versed on healthcare issues and certainly not on the employer exclusion and the role that it plays, as Chris said, the backbone of our healthcare system. Yeah, and I think John makes a, a particular point here why this is so timely, as John points out, is historically during a midterm election, the party that's not in the White House makes up gains. And the Democrats are only running the House of Representatives by four seats. So it is really not very hard to imagine a world that the House is run by Republicans next year. They've already started this health care task force, as John pointed out, this year to be discussing what they want to do about health care in their minds when they take over next year. And so the fact that they are already having presentations about how the employer exclusion would make a good source of funding for their priorities is concerning. You know, this normally would not be concerning if we didn't feel that, that there was good chances that the Republicans will be running the House next year. But history is definitely on the Republican side. Uh, when you look at how often the party in the White House loses the House of Representatives after they've just taken the White House back. So it really, I think, becomes a priority this year that we really need to nip this in the bud and show them that, no, with Republicans possibly taking over the House of Representatives next year, we don't want their agenda to, to be to cap this employer exclusion. So that all being said, what can NAHU members who are listening do to help preserve the employer exclusion? First thing that you can do is come to Capitol Conference and have your voice heard on Capitol Hill. There's nothing like a face-to-face -face conversation. And as you know, if you've been to CAP conference, they are very much ready to listen to what you have to say. In addition to explaining why it's important to employers and to employees who benefit from it being tax-free, I think you should also talk about the role that you play in the healthcare system through COVID, all the assistance that you provided to your employer, in the way of all the new regulations and you know these all these new terms of art that didn't exist before uh, with regard to even employer reporting essential 
workers versus non-essential who might actually be part-time, the way that you do all your measurements, all these things. This is really an efficient way to offer coverage. And the reason is, is that you have a single entry point and a single exit point. People are there to work. They're not there necessarily just to get health insurance, right? That's the issue that they have in the individual market, which is more transitory, that people get in when they think they might be sick. People are at work to work. And so those groups tend to be very stable, which is why they're less expensive than other forms of insurance coverage that you can get. That there are other policy levers that they could pull. For example, doing something with regard to to risk adjustment, that alone could drop premiums by 20%. Some states have done so and have reaped great benefits from that one policy alone, because you would be moving the risk, the financial risk to the pool, and therefore the carriers could stay whole. They wouldn't have to raise their premium. There are other things that also could be done. This issue is very similar to something NHU worked on quite hard a few years ago, which was getting rid of the Cadillac tax. Again, in theory, the Cadillac tax was an attempt to control the cost of healthcare in this country by saying if you essentially offered too generous of a plan, the federal government would tax it. The idea of capping the employer exclusion, again, is this idea of somehow if we just change the tax status of it, we're going to cause people to spend less money on health insurance. We don't believe that that is actually going to work by any sort of stretch of the imagination. And that really, if you want to bring cost under control, you have to look at why things cost or what they cost. And instead, these the ideas of capping it on the employer exclusion or adding a Cadillac tax are really trying to do this all on the back end and just won't work over the long run and really is probably detrimental. And, and we'll leave the health insurance system going one of two ways. If John pointed out earlier, going to a single payer system where the federal government will run everything or going to the other direction where everyone is just simply responsible for their own healthcare costs as an individual, and you need to buy all your own healthcare needs, and there is no employer-based market. And as we know, that that essentially would eliminate most health insurance brokers in this country, eliminate the employer-based healthcare system. So while I have our congressional experts here, I would be remiss not to ask a couple of questions surrounding the current legislative landscape particularly as hundreds of health insurance professionals prime themselves to come to Washington and discuss our issues with their legislators. It's been some time since we discussed the Build Back Better Act on the podcast. So what is the status of the reconciliation bill as of now? So in short, the issue is still on hold. Senator Manchin has said he will not vote for Build Back Better. And so that kind of is that for Build Back Better, at least as we know it, as it passed out of the House of Representatives does not mean the Democrats couldn't come back and do some sort of reconciliation, but as as a package that was passed out of the House, the Senate will not be passing that. Senator Manchin has made it quite clear that he's not voting for that, but that doesn't mean there's lots that's not still going on with health care priorities here in Washington to discuss. So outside of the Build Back Better conversation, can you give us an update on some of NHU's other legislative priorities? Are we optimistic about getting any bills introduced before members come to the district later this month? Well, again, the timing couldn't be better to come to Capitol Conference. I can't stress that enough. There are not going to be a lot of legislative vehicles, and they're going to be more front-loaded at the beginning, the first half of this year. And so getting our voices heard now 
and, and planting those seeds, just as Chris and I do with committee staff all the time about bills and what potential vehicles there might be to attach them to. How long have we been working on the employer reporting? We might actually have an opportunity to attach that to something that's moving soon after Capital Conference. So it's all about amplification. Chris, why don't you start with some of the bills you think that we might have a chance to do this year? Sure. So there are several issues that are important to health insurance agents and brokers, such as employer reporting, as we talked about. NHU has grave concerns about the way employers are really made on the defensive when the IRS comes after them for, quote unquote, not providing health insurance, when we all know most employers are providing health insurance. And this really has all come about because what the IRS is really looking at are people who went into the exchange, got a health insurance plan, but they had an offer of coverage from the employer, but they went and got the plan anyway. And at that particular point, then the IRS is just instead believing that employers are not offering their employees health insurance, uh, even when they are offering health insurance. We all know this is causing employers to spend lots of time and money defending themselves against large penalty notices from the IRS. And this is something that we really want to see come under control. Another particular issue uh, within the Medicare universe is this issue we've talked about in the past about observation status. Senior citizens who are on Medicare go into the hospital thinking they are under one status and instead they are under a skilled nursing facility status. This issue has been, on the positive side, put in a moratorium while we've been in COVID. But as soon as the federal government declares COVID to be over, we expect this issue to be coming back. And so millions of Americans who have been avoiding penalties of the observation status will have those penalties coming back very quickly. Furthermore, we will be advocating um, with members of Congress about people who uh, are getting penalties for Medicare for things like they were on COBRA after turning age 65 and did not sign up for Medicare because Medicare did not consider COBRA to be a credible offer of coverage, even though they do consider your employer plan to be credible coverage. And obviously, we know that millions of Americans consider COBRA to be simply a continuation of their employer plan. And there are other examples of Medicare penalizing individuals when they have health insurance. Maybe it is through the VA system. There are several different ways that people are getting high quality health insurance and Medicare is not recognizing it. And so these are people who are not trying to be free riders in the system. You know, the penalties were put in place for a good reason. You don't want people only setting up for Medicare once they are sick. These are people who have health insurance. Another topic that has changed over the pandemic is telehealth. And millions of Americans have used telehealth, especially when they're concerned about going into the doctor's office. High deductible healthcare plans paired with an HSA have been able to use telehealth because of changes in rules that were made on a temporary basis. At the end of last year, this all went away, and we are looking to instead try to make those rules that were in place for telehealth made permanent or at least extended, uh, because I think if there's any silver lining that came out of COVID in healthcare, is really an increased use and understanding of telehealth and no need to have to go into the doctor office for every consultation that's necessary. So we are trying to make sure all of those issues get addressed this time around. There are several pieces of legislation that are looking at this, and it makes a great time to really push these issues in Congress. It is now time for the NHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. 
This week, we are toasting to NAHU's 32nd Annual Capital Conference from February 27th to March 2nd at the Hyatt Regency on Capitol Hill here in Washington, D.C. Are you interested in attending in person but have yet to sign up? Well, today, Friday, February 11th, is the deadline to register for Capital Conference in person, although on-site registration will be available. So, please, if you're interested in attending in person, go to NAHU.org right now and register today. Cheers! Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.